to the church. And then the Jews who um, grew up believing in the one true God, but not knowing who the Messiah was yet now are understanding that Jesus was that Messiah that was prophesied and have come to faith. And now these two groups are finding themselves in the Christian church in Rome together and they're looking at one another going, I don't know if you belong here. You're weird. You eat meat. You drink wine. You don't celebrate the holy days. And on the other hand, there are the people that are looking at the others and going, you are weird. Don't you know we have freedom in Christ now? Don't you know we get to eat meat? Don't you know we get to drink wine? Don't you know we don't have to honor all of those days and fasts and things that you do? I'm not sure if you belong either. And so you have two groups and nobody feeling entirely welcome. And so Paul has been writing to these two groups in one church and addressing them at the same time and trying to explain to them, look it, this is what the Gospel says. This is what the Gospel says. The Gospel says that Jesus, the Son of God, came to earth and proclaimed the coming of the kingdom of God and that those who repent of their sins and believe in Him would be saved and have eternal life with God. That is the good news. And guess what? It doesn't matter if you're a Jew. And it doesn't matter if you are a Gentile. All of you come to God in the same way. And you Jews have some stuff that's kind of weird that you should get over. And you Gentiles have some stuff that's weird and you should get over. But by and large, you all believe the same thing and should be able to worship in unity together. Loving one another. Tolerating one another. Encouraging one another. Supporting one another. Bearing with one another. In one another's weaknesses, we encourage you to please get along Accept that person, bear with them in their weakness, and don't be a stumbling block for them when it comes to faith. But bring them in. And so now, now he says, uh, well, let, let's finish. This was where we just ended in Romans uh, 15, 1 through 6. In verses 5 and 6 he said, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together, with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the hope, that there would be such unity among you, even though there should be, or others would perceive such great division, there will actually be such great unity between you, that you will, with, in harmony, in harmony, with one another, in one accord, with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, now verse 7, therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. 
welcome one another. See, see people and greet them and make them to know that they are welcome and wanted here. And the Gentiles are going, oh. Really? Those stuck up, pretentious, self-righteous Jews welcome them? And the Jews are going, oh, really? Those smelly, loose, undisciplined Gentiles welcome them? Were you ever told as a kid, I want you to play with that kid over there? Some teacher, some parent, somebody says to you, you know that kid over there that that nobody's playing with them? I want you to go play with them. And of course, you as a kid were very loving and outgoing and went, okay. (laughs) Or maybe your attitude was more of a, Oh, do I have to? I can remember as I was thinking back about some of the people that I used to play with. Why did I play with them? They were odd. Nobody played with them. And then I remembered, oh yeah, it's because my mom, back before they called them playdates, set up playdates for me and that kid. I had to. I didn't have any choice. Paul's going, you have to. You don't have any choice. Welcome them. Welcome them. Now, I I think that by and large, we think we're welcoming if we're tolerating. Okay, yeah, I'll put up with it. Or we think that we're welcoming even to to the point where we think if I want them to be here, that's welcoming. I wish that they were here. Do you know what? That's not necessarily welcoming. There are places, when I was having you think about what are the places that you feel really comfortable that you feel really awkward or out of place. There are pl- places where you feel awkward and out of place and the people genuinely want you to be there. I know because I do that to other people all the time. I genuinely want them to be there. I'm just not thinking about what will make them feel comfortable. I really hope that in doing the things that make me feel comfortable, they will want to be there too. And when they don't come because they don't feel comfortable in the places that I feel comfortable, in the ways that I feel comfortable, I'm very disappointed. Man, I really wish they would come. And my wife will say, well, last time they came, did you talk with them? Well, no. Did you get to know them or help them know where to go or what to do? Well, no. What would make you think that they would want to come back? 
I had a good time. (laughs) Welcome them. Welcome them. Welcome them means thinking of the other person and bringing them into community with you. Full acceptance. Not just putting up with the fact that they are in the same room. Not even being glad that they bothered to show up. But actually going out of your way to think about what will make them feel comfortable here. That's the very thing he's been talking about as he's been talking about whether you should eat or not eat. Whether you should judge or not judge. Think about the other person and what will help them to feel comfortable in that place. Welcome one another. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate that. No pressure. (laughs) Welcome them as Christ has welcomed you. How has Christ welcomed us? Well, He looked at us and said, Wow, they're awesome. I want to hang out with them. No. He looked at them and went, Oh, hey, PS2, sign me up. Xbox? No. No, He looked at us and went, You guys are a mess. And so the holy, infinite God looked at those who were a mess and said, Okay. I'll come and look a little bit more like you. Rather than standing off in heaven and going, Hey guys, wouldn't it be great if you came up here? Clean yourselves up a little bit so that you can come up here. Instead, taking on the form of a man, he came down to us and walked alongside us and showed us this is what it means to love God. And this is sin over here. When you're doing the things that don't honor and glorify God, that's sin. When you're hurting and um, bothering one another, that's sin. And so to deal with the sin, we're just going to get rid of that. And so Jesus went to the cross to bear our sin to deal with it so that we could be reconciled to God and then said, come on, I want you to come in. I want you to come into my kingdom. I want you to come into my house. I want you to come into my family, into fellowship with my Heavenly Father. I want you to come in. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you.
and for the glory of God. So now we sit down, we come in, we sit down here, and you go, okay, I hope everybody else is comfortable. Or maybe you come in and you sit down and you're going, am I comfortable? Do I like the way this is going? Does this really suit me? Wouldn't it be great if every person in this room was concerned about making sure that every other person in this room was comfortable in this room? That'd be pretty awesome. I think that if that were to happen, then everybody in this room would feel like this was a place that they should be. Not because they came in and felt like, wow, this is really the kind of place that I would like to be. But because whatever doesn't match up to exactly our comfort level, we look around and go, ooh, but that welcomes that person. And this welcomes that person. And we are all here wanting each other to be here. Come on in. And what happens when we do that is that we together with one voice then are able to glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For the glory of God, rather than for my own comfort. I can come in and I can find a place to sit and I can feel like, okay, I am here and I am doing this for my comfort, or I can do this for the glory of God, which means I'm going to go out of my comfort zone and I'm going to go over and I'm going to talk to somebody that I don't know very well. Or that it's difficult for me to talk with them. I might even prep in advance. a weird idea to me. I don't usually prep in advance. My wife calls me on it. I don't know what to say to them. Well, why don't you think about it ahead of time? (laughs) What? Like preparing? Weird. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you all for the glory of God. For I tell you, verse 8, for I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy. This to me is awesome. Let me read this to you again. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness. Jesus became a servant of the Jews to show that God was truthful. Here's what that revealed. That God was truthful. One, in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, 
and 2, in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy. Okay, you're not blown away enough, so let me step back and try again. Christ became a servant to those who were circumcised to show that God was truthful in the promises that He had given as early as the patriarchs. That Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, when when God said, I am going to be your God, and you will be my people, He was telling the truth. When he was saying that there will come one who will save my people from their sins, he was telling the truth. When he made the promises to David that there would always be a king after him who would reign on the throne, he was telling the truth. Even when the the armies came in and destroyed Jerusalem and dragged God's people off into captivity, He promised, I'm going to find my people in captivity and I'm going to bring back the remnant. And He was telling the truth. Jesus came to fulfill all of those promises to highlight the fact that God had been telling the truth. Which just makes good sense. Christ Jesus came as a servant to those who had been circumcised, to those who had been, had received the sign of the covenant of Abraham. God had, Jesus had come as a servant to them to show that God was truthful in order to confirm the promises that had been given to Abraham. That just makes good sense. I mean, it's awesome that Jesus would do that, that He would serve them in that way so that He could confirm those promises in that way. It's awesome. But then, He takes it one step further. In order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy. Hold up. Time out. What? The uncircumcised Gentiles? Jesus came to serve the circumcised in the covenant of Abraham, that makes sense, so that God's promises could be fulfilled, but then also so that the Gentiles might praise God for His mercy? You mean to tell me that when Jesus served the Jews, the Gentiles also received mercy? Yup. Just as the promise was made to Abraham. That through your offspring, all nations will be blessed. And then he just lays this out for us. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. He's quoting from the book of Psalms where uh, David is talking about how, how God defeats his enemies. And, and David is, is um, saying, because God, you have shown yourself to be faithful. Because you are my protector. Because you are with me. Therefore, I'm going to sing praises to your name. In fact, I'm even going to sing your praises to the Gentiles. I am going to praise you 
in front of the Gentiles so that they will hear about how great you are. I'm going to be among them so that they will hear about how great you are. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, it says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. It's quoting from uh, Deuteronomy. Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. The Gentiles are going to rejoice with his people. Deuteronomy, that was like books written by Moses. That was a long time ago. The Jews had had sort of missed that piece, but the Gentiles are going to rejoice along with God's people all the way back there. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol Him. Again, from the book of Psalms. He's quoting and saying, look, this has been the plan. This has been the thing that would be going on. That God would save His people and the Gentiles would be brought into that and they also would praise His name. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, and in him the Gentiles will hope. So here the Jews had been waiting for this Messiah to come, this anointed one, this Christ, who would come and who would conquer all of the nations and would rule and they would rule. And now, what Paul is reminding them is that when these things were said, the Gentiles would be brought in and the Gentiles also would rejoice. In fact, he quotes from all over the Old Testament. He quotes from the law in Deuteronomy. He quotes from the wisdom literature in Psalms. He quotes from the prophets in Isaiah as a way of showing that from every portion of the Scriptures, it had been pointing forward to the fact that this promise was not only to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles. And now, Paul is tying all of this together and saying, so therefore, this has been the plan all along. Therefore, you were always intended to be together. I know you seem way different. I know that it seems to you as though the history of the world has not been leading to this, but in fact it has. That one Christ would come and fulfill all of the promises in the Old Testament and at the same time bring in the Gentiles in the same way. So that all of you together, in faith in Christ, will be saved from your sins and will be brought into the family of God. And now you all, with one voice, might praise Him and proclaim Him. So, welcome one another. May there be such harmony among you that you can't help but praise God. That should be the kind of place that His church is. That there is the kind of welcoming and unity that people would come in from outside and look around and go, I don't know what's going on here, but this is weird. Because that person and that person and that person and that person, all being in the same room and happy to see each other, genuinely glad and welcoming one another and bringing them into uh 
the, the fold, as it were, that's just weird. Because if you go outside the doors of that, the church, that doesn't happen. Welcome one another. Welcome one another. What is it going to take for you to welcome others? How do we do that? How do we make welcoming more than tolerating? I was just talking with the principal of, of my kid's school and we were talking about the events that the PTA puts on and the things that we've done over past years and, and things because I, I've been on the PTA for a long time and um, so we've just seen various things and, and I said, you know what? As I've been taking a, a step back from the PTA this year and thinking about things, I realized that in the events that we have done, we've talked about them as family events, but they've really been kid events. Parents are just there to watch their kids at the events and they stand on the side and just sort of watch. What if we actually made the events in such a way that both kids and parents would want to be there rather than the kids going home and going, hey, I want to go, I want to go, I want to go, and those who are able to drag their parents along get to come? What if we made it so that like parents really wanted to be there? And I said that and the other thing I've been realizing is that there are groups of people that some of them feel very comfortable there and others don't. And I, when I was PTA president, really wanted for those other groups to come and was disappointed when they didn't come. But now looking back at it, realize at the winter dance, we only had one kind of music. Which, sure, most of the kids like that kind of music, but it doesn't say to everybody else, hey, we'd really like for you to be here. I wonder what it would look like to think about these events in terms of what would make those groups of people who don't normally come feel comfortable here. And so I've been thinking about that, both in terms of the, the school and the PTA, because I happen to be having a conversation with the principal, and in terms of New Life Church and here, and what would it look like for us to think about other people and say, hey, we'd really like for you to be here and mean it. Because I find that for the most part, I'm ambivalent or indifferent in my action. Meaning, I might genuinely wish that there were people here, but wishing that there were people here is not the same as wanting them to be here and making them feel welcome and comfortable here. So what's the solution to that? Well, I wish I had this three-point plan that I could walk through, you, through with you on what we were going to do over the next six months to make this a culture change for us, and I have nothing. It's a thing that I'm thinking about. It's a thing that I would like you to join me in thinking about. It's a thing that I would like there to be conversations about over lunch today. And in life groups. How will we help other people feel welcome and comfortable here?
for the sake of the glory of God. Even if it means that we ourselves have to be just a little less comfortable. And it means that we're thinking about who are we welcoming in? Who are we welcoming? Because it's really easy to, to go and find the people that you're most comfortable with and welcome them. Hang out with them. Eat lunch with them. Talk with them. You know the most about them. They're the easiest for you to talk with. You have inside jokes at this point. It's great. But how are you going to help other people feel welcome? How are you going to think about ways that will make them feel comfortable and welcome? Maybe they're the kind of person that really appreciates a handshake and you're afraid for handshakes. Maybe you really like giving hugs and they're not such a hugger. Maybe it's the other way around. Maybe you could just know their name and remember it. Maybe you could ask a question about something that you could pray for them about and then actually pray for them about it and next week follow up. Those kinds of things make people feel welcome. They're not huge things. But little things make people feel welcome. He finished with quoting from the book of Isaiah, The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. And then he finishes with this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Isn't that a great blessing, a great prayer? May the God of hope, the one who uh, will be the hope for the Gentiles, the one who provided hope for the Jews, the one who fulfilled the hope in Jesus and promises that he will again return, the one who has loved us in every way that he has given his son to sacrifice for us, may that God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. As you believe. Filling you with joy and peace, that's God's job. That's God's job. Our part is to believe. And I find that when I don't have joy and when I don't have peace, it's because at that moment, I'm not focusing on my faith. I'm all wound up about something else. 
I'm all wound up about finances, or I'm all wound up about kids, or I'm all wound up about health, or I'm all wound up about organizational struggles. And then somebody goes, Travis, time out. You're spinning again. Is God who he says he is? Well, yeah. Okay. Let's believe that God is who he says he is. Let's believe that God can and will do all that he says he can and will do. The peace comes. And then I begin to reflect and see the things that God has been doing and the joy comes. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. This is not a hope that you have to manufacture, that that you have to pretend to have. This is the kind of hope that the Holy Spirit comes upon you and fills you with hope, that you might abound in hope, that it might be pouring out of you, that you can be saying to other people, hey, look at what's coming. Look at what's coming. Some of you, like me, are too much of realists to be overly hopeful. And then I look at myself and go, What am I doing? I'm too much of a realist to be overly hopeful? In what? My finances? God has already provided all that I need. Everything that I need. Why should I be worried about three years from now? Or five years from now? Or 25 years from now? Is the character of God and His provision for me somehow going to change between now and then? Well, that's not likely. But Jesus has already come and forgiven me of my sin, and has said, I want you to come. And someday you will spend the rest of eternity with me. And someday I will come again and I will restore all things. And it's hard to be too hopeful in that. When he says that there's going to be perfect peace and perfect justice and every knee will bow and every tongue confess to the glory of God, how can you be overly hopeful about that? It just is the most awesome, incredible news that has ever been told and it is for sure going to happen. Jesus became a servant to emphasize the truth of God's promises 
so that you may be filled with joy and peace in believing, so that we might in one accord have such unity with one another that with one voice we are praising God. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. So welcome one another this morning in that kind of hope. Let's pray. Lord, we know that you have been faithful. And there are times that we get distracted from uh, what we know to be true and we worry about it. And we worry about trivial things and things that don't matter. Lord, sometimes the trivial things seem really big. but in light of eternity and your coming ultimate justice, we recognize that they are still small. And yet you have loved us and cared for us even in those things. And so we ask, if there is any division in us, if there is any division between us and others in this church, Father, would you bring that to mind that we might repent of any sin? That we might welcome one another in? Lord, would you transform this place to be one of welcome? That everyone would know that in this place we proclaim the good news of the coming of our Lord and Savior.